Welcome to the Intraact, a brief moment in the midst of the chaos of the season for our agents to find their feet and ready themselves for what is still to come. With Rowan safely home and recovering, life begins to return to normal for our agents. Let's check in with River as he gets home that night. River finally gets home and collapses on his couch. Nobody else seems to be here. What time is it anyway? He knows he should take a shower, but everything just hurts, especially his head. He doesn't even have the energy to go grab a couple of ibuprofen. The events of the last couple of days hardly seem real. Did they really stage a commando raid on a missile silo in Oklahoma? Did they really meet a bunch of time travelers and those things? Is Rowan really? Suddenly he grabs his phone from where he dropped it on the coffee table and opens the contacts. Hitting the entry labeled Angel Eyes, he quickly types, all caps, Who the fuck are the Chroniclers? A few moments later, a text from L. Van Cleef returns. To get that type of info, you're going to need to pick a cowboy, cowboy. What the hell does that mean? <sighs> River starts writing a sarcastic reply. And then he deletes it and starts writing an angry reply. Halfway through that, he stops and thinks for a few minutes and then starts again. I'm too tired to keep playing these games. If I'm a cowboy, then cowboys must be people who are sent on deadly missions and are never told anything useful that might keep them alive. So even if I knew how to contact a cowboy, which I don't, why would I expect them to know any more than me? And if you aren't a cowboy, what are you? Lee Van Cleef replies shortly thereafter. Nom de plume, or in this case, nom de guerre. I'm the bad. You get to pick your own cowboy. When you do, you'll be welcome at the ranch. Signed, L. Van Cleef. Pick my own cowboy. And then he writes back. So what, I'm supposed to decide whether I'm Blondie or Tuco? Moments later. No, pick the actor. Are you thick some days? Signed, L. Van Cleef. Stupid code names. Fine, they want an actor, I'll give them a cowboy actor. Well, a sheriff, anyone. Alright, tell you what, I'll be C. Little. And then he looks at his, what he just wrote. Shit, I better hope Rooster never sees that written down. Lee Van Cleef replies, Okay, Sheriff, welcome to the ranch. Mongo's over there making baked beans. I can tell you all that I know about the Chroniclers. C. Eastwood will be in touch with more information in a couple days. I need to reach out to him. Another number pops up that says C. Eastwood. Howdy. River opens up that number and writes, How's it going, Eastwood? You can call me C. Little. LOL. That's fantastic. You'll do fine here. So tell me about the ranch. Buckle up, cowboy. We're on for a long ride. While her parents' house is a safe place to be, it's time for Rowan to return home and face her memories. Let's check in on her. I eventually managed to get back to sleep that first night, with Rooster keeping watch over me and the house. Thank God for him being there. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have gotten any more sleep that night otherwise. The next night, uh, there weren't any official police vehicles out, but if you knew what you were looking for, there were plenty of police vehicles in the neighborhood. I stayed at my parents' for about a week after we got back and waited that long before reaching out to the FBI to tell them that I was alive and back. I, I needed the time to try to regain a sense of self again after everything. The exception to that complete lockdown blackout was when Rooster got me my cell phone and my computer. The next day, I sent an email to Alphonse and said, I'm back. I'm alive. We need to talk. I don't trust anything to electronic communications. I need a meeting face to face. It takes about 45 minutes before you get a response. And it is from the ACEL Alphonse email. Welcome back. Hope you're doing well. We'll be in touch. I email back. Kick this as far up the food chain as possible. I have very important information. 
reply back. We sit atop the pyramid. Can't go any higher. Go about as normal. We will be in touch. And I have to accept that because there's no other, there's nothing else that I can really do. So when the week is over and I'm feeling a little bit more myself, Rick making sure that I'm eating constantly, he was very upset to see how much weight I'd lost, I go back home, back to the house that my dad and rooster fixed up for me to make sure that everything's secure, everything's safe again. Still not thrilled to be here, but it's my home and I need to deal with it. As you pull up, Jonathan is actually mowing the lawn. He waves at you, and when you get out of the car, he runs over to you, opens up his arms, stops. Hug? You better fucking hug me. (laughs) All right. It's worth asking, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're the one who's been keeping up on the lawn. Thank you. Gotta make the house look good. I mean, come on. Curb appeal, right? And he picks you up. He picks you up, and he's hugging you and squeezing you. And it's a Jonathan bear hug. I have fucking missed these the last few months. And I just hold on to him and let my forehead rest on his shoulder and try not to cry. You're trying not to cry. He's not even trying not to. But he puts you down and grabs you by the shoulder and he looks at you dead in the eyes, lifts one hand with a finger pointed up, rolling his neck. Bitch, let's not do this again, okay? And he smiles knowing that he's not going to probably get an answer. I just laugh a little. I'd love to avoid doing that again. Flashbangs are not great. That's what that was? Yeah. Oh. Well, I hope to kick somebody in the dick. A corner of Rowan's mouth quirks up a little bit before she looks down and away. Let me get this done, because we don't want half of it looking done, because the HOA is going to come and yell at us. (laughs) So... Left you a present in front of the door. Oh, yeah? I'll sling the computer bag over my shoulder, because that's the only luggage that I have right now, and head for the front door. You see there's an Easter basket with a card on top. I I actually have to stop and think about that and try to remember when Easter is. Crouch down and pick up the note first. Bitch, you missed Easter. Here's the leftover candy that I can't have and some banana bread. And I burst out laughing, probably drowned out by the sound of the lawnmower, but delighted anyway and glad to feel a little bit normal at the moment, because dear God. All of the eggs that are in here that are dyed are dyed all of the colors of the pride flags. Excellent. I smile at that and then pull out the replacement key. You glance back and you see that Jonathan and your father are talking. Your dad is walking along with Jonathan as he's pushing the mower. I watch them for a moment. Your dad puts his hand on Jonathan's shoulder. They both nod and your dad kind of walks off and heads toward the car looking back at the house. When he looks at me, I wave. He waves back and tips his baseball cap. And I take a second, not for the first time this week, but definitely just remembering over and over again how lucky I am to have this family, to have these people in my life. The situation kind of sucks, but it's nice to know how everyone's pulling around me. And then I unlock my door and I just stop on the step with the door open and just look inside, feeling like I did a week ago when I was standing exactly here with Rooster trying to make myself just fucking go inside deep breath and one foot in front of the other and maybe like a quote but in reverse of samwise gamgee you're now a step closer to home a step closer to being me again whoever the fuck that is as as i think that i put the easter basket down on the little table next to the door and rub my forehead i've picked up that little affectation tick whatever you want to call it in the last week or so since learning about the psychic stuff and just like I have a headache almost all the time now you haven't been able to read anybody yet but have you really been trying not particularly to be honest okay I mean there's a part of my brain that is like this isn't real this can't possibly be real I would have known I would have known a lot sooner than right now but also there's a part of me that's like I don't want to poke at that in case it's real The house is well kept. It's been cleaned. Looks like Jonathan has been in here uh, making sure everything is squared away as well as your dad and the rest of your army of folks. I come in and start taking stock of everything, noting what's been cleaned and what's been replaced and what's still missing that I'll need to deal with. 
I have gotten a hold of the FBI and let them know that I'm alive and there's a medical situation that I may not be able to come back to work for a while, but I'm, I may need a physical evaluation fairly soon. Or just whatever standard operating procedure is when you have an, an agent go missing for four months. I don't think there is such a thing. I'm over here just like, I'm in uncharted waters. I don't know about you guys. You receive an email back a few days later from the FBI with standard operating procedure. Apparently, there is a procedure for this. You will need to get a physical examination by one of the approved physicians. And actually, there's a knock at your door. I take a moment to go. I'm, I'm in my stocking feet at this point. And so I go upstairs very quietly to my bedroom, get one of the pistols that I keep up there and come back down with it very casually behind me just a little bit as I look through the peephole. You see it's Special Agent in Charge Morgan. Is this the one that doesn't like me? Yes. Fuck. Ah. Kind of groan a little bit under my breath. And then I hide the gun inside of the Easter basket, just because I love that mental image. And then make sure my glasses are on and open the door. Afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. You're looking looking better, I believe. Y yes, I suppose so. Do you have a moment? Uh, yes, I believe so. May I come in? Sure. Watch your step. It's a bit dim in here. People tend to trip over things. Fair enough. He steps in and, and he looks around the house. He stands very stern. He always seems to be very stern. The thing that keeps his posture up might be the giant stick up his ass. Your leave has been approved. I wanted to come by and see you. You're one of my special agents. You are doing okay? I am recovering. Let's put it that way. Recovering is good. Recovering is good. I hope that when you have the time, we will get an, an appropriate debrief when we can do an official one for us as well. If you wish to write up what you can, I have spoken with the department psychologist and I understand the steps that we need to do as well as human resources on the accommodations that we have in place for you to return back to work in time. You are not clear to return to work right at the moment in time, but you are currently on paid leave. So we want you to recover and take your time. Your health is our priority. Of course, sir. Is there an appointment for when I should speak to the psychologist, or do I need to reach out to HR and figure that out? If you could reach out to the HR department, I would I would greatly appreciate that. I don't have that information handy right now. This is a personal visit. I wanted to make sure you were doing okay. I was not going to ask for any roles in this interlude, but I do want to ask uh, if I can human that, because that seems weird to me. I, he and I he and I don't get on. Go ahead and give me a roll. 29 out of 60. He is extremely hard to read because you don't think this man has emotion normally. And I don't mean that in the neurodivergent way. I just think he's just a straight up very, very by the books asshole that does very stoic. You do not sense any malice or any lies. You're not entirely sure if he's sincere, but if you were to weigh it on a scale, it may weigh more than a feather. Fair enough. Tip my head a little bit. Well, it is certainly my desire to recover as quickly as possible. I don't do well when I'm out of work, when I don't have something to do. Well, I may have some things for you to do when you are coming back on light duty that you can possibly do from home. But at this moment in time, I cannot assign any, any cases to you or any tasks at the moment. Is that understood? Understood, sir. Do you need anything else that myself or the department can provide? Or the Bureau? Not at this moment, I don't think. But I will let you know if there is anything. Okay, there is the HR assistance line. You can always contact them and they may be able to help. Yes, sir. And I'm actually... Hmm. This is a dangerous path I'm about to walk down. <laughs> um, so anytime that I have done anything psychic, it has been unconscious, as far as I know. With my extensive nerd background, I want to try listening for things that aren't being said. Give me a power roll. Mm. Uh, 38 out of 45. Ooh. I hope she doesn't ask for anything. I hope she doesn't ask for anything. What could I possibly give her? I don't know. 
That was a really shallow thought. And then it then it flitters away. He looks at you and regards you a little awkwardly. He tilts his head just a little bit. Unconsciously, your eyes kind of lit up a little bit, almost like a smile just in your eyes. You caught yourself doing it afterward. Well, I appreciate you looking in on me, sir. Uh, that, that means a lot. It's been a very difficult four months, but it's good to start coming back to some form of normalcy. Semblance of normalcy is good. It sets things straight. He puts his hand out for you to shake. And I take it and shake it with, I don't have the strength that I would usually have, but I try to at least have a firm handshake. He shakes it. He releases it and kind of steps back kind of awkwardly, looks around and then looks at the door. I'll be heading out now. I will be in touch. He walks out the door, leaving you to yourself. As soon as he's gone, I close the door behind him, give it like the count of 10 to make sure that he's far enough away to be out of your shot, put, sink the deadbolt in, go and sit down, like put my head in my hands. Okay. What the fuck? And I try very hard to keep that thought as contained as possible and just say the words out loud. There's a ring at your doorbell. And I violently jump <laughs> because what? <laughs> A package has arrived, quite a few packages, as you see that there are six or seven packages from Newegg and Tiger Direct out front, and all of your computer gear has arrived. The FedEx guy is walking back to the truck, turns, he waves at you, and uh, gets in his, uh, his truck, and it drives off. Wave back and start hauling the boxes inside to start building the computer. The life of an ER doc never slows down, and Rory has a few extra duties he needs to do. Let's see how that's going for him. Rory, you're sitting in your office in David Grant Medical Center in Travis Air Force Base. In front of you, you see on the screen Rowan's lab results. Everything looks to be clear. She has some malnutrition. It's a good thing that when you were able to see her and treat her, you were able to get her a you know saline bag, potassium bag, all that kind of good stuff to bring her back up because she was severely dehydrated and severely malnourished. The toxicology reports doesn't seem to show anything of an alarm. There's nothing really out of the ordinary. Other results, there's no strange ratogens, um, more than normal. Her radiation level is a little bit high, but that's to be expected, especially in a area similar to that of a uh, former nuclear missile silo, where you guys were, where she was held. And so she was uh, prescribed medicine to help push the rest of that through her system. I will shoot a quick text to Rowan and just got your results back. Nothing super out of the ordinary. We can go into more detail next time we see each other and just kind of put his phone back down, not necessarily expecting a reply right away. A nurse comes in, a uh, airman nurse walks in. Captain, the patient that's in the back, they responded well to the uh, ventilator treatment. Did you want to check on them now or should we uh, close the area off? Uh, yeah, I'll go back and check now. Uh, thank you. I'll head back that way. You head back to a dark corner of the medical center where not a whole lot of people go. There is a private room here. This was actually once just a doctor's sleeping room where they would crash after they've had some time uh, away. Is he awake? So as you come in, you open up the door. You hear, hey, hey Cap, thank, thank you. you. I, I appreciate, appreciate your assistance, you. Captain. Uh, you're welcome. Was that the guy in the room? Yes, that was Neville. Neville's on a ventilator. Neville's intubated. And then Rory will remember what Neville told him back in Kansas and kind of takes a second, like, oh, right, right, psychic. Okay, thinking this to himself, not out loud. Yes, psychic, you are correct. So he'll go in, um, and I guess he'll talk out loud to him, not think at all about just, how are you doing today? This thing hurts. Yeah, uh, it does that. That's why it's more of a last resort. Thank goodness we had one to spare here. Glad you made the trip all right. Yeah, I don't... That was interesting. It was a rough ride. I'm sure normally patients aren't conscious, strictly speaking, while you're intubated. That's why we, I'm hoping we can get you off that sooner rather than later. You're responding well to the treatment so far, so looking like it'll be soon. That's good news. That's that's good to hear. I would like to be on my feet again soon. Uh, have you had a chance to remember anything else about 
anyone that we need should contact once we finally get you up on your feet. I know it was a long time ago. Um, I don't think anyone is still available. Okay. Whenever is a good time for you, I'm sure Rowan and the rest of our team, we do have lots, we do have questions for you, but that can be on your time. Obviously, we're, your health is more important at the moment. Do you think you could look for someone for me? Of course. His name is Wingate Peasley. Wingate Peasley? Yes. Anything else about him that I that you know? I just want to know if he is okay. Okay. Where where was he? Where did he live? Anything else you can tell me about him? It's kind of, he's quiet. You don't have anything coming back into your mind at the time. And you see his eyes kind of blink and he closes his eyes. I'll work with what I've got. I'll be back. I'll check with him before I go home for the day. And then if you do, I'll check the schedule about when I can get you off that intubator. I'm hoping soon. Again, really quiet. No, no response. It's weird because he was talking in your mind, but not talking at the moment. All right. Well, it's nice talking with you again, Neville. I'll be back and I'll close the door and start walking back towards my office. As you step outside, you see that there is a nurse standing there and she looks in and sees that he's intubated and looks at you and just regards you oddly. What, you don't talk to your coma patients at all? No, Captain, I do. Um, I do. And she looks in like, what the hell's going on here? Uh, I'm assuming this nurse has been the one taking care of him while I'm not here. One of them, yes. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for getting me. And then let's look and see when we can get look at the schedule and see if we can get can't get him extubated uh, in the next day or two. Okay, Captain, we'll go ahead and I'll do that. All right, and I'll walk back towards the office. You get a text from Andrew. I'll open it. What do you think about a October wedding? I'll text back. Um, I do like the fall a lot, especially. I guess where are we doing this? Back in Ohio or near your hometown or somewhere else or. But yeah, falls. I like fall. Let's do that. A response back. What about Sleepy Hollow? I don't know. I have we deal with enough horrors in our day job. I don't know. It might be nice to do it somewhere more. I don't know. I'm. I guess I'm not opposed to the idea. We'll keep it as an option. I guess. You get a pumpkin emoji and then a horse emoji. I'll do back the crying and laughing emoji. I'll text him back after the crying and laughing emoji. How's work been this week with the program? In quotes. Uh, response back found who your old replacement was they got assigned to a beer cave but things are good i have somebody looking into questions about the hand how many people know about that we were keeping that quiet just one i promise all right i trust you there were two there were two what there's only one now don't worry all right gonna have a lot of questions when i come visit soon his response is remember what happened to lucky and pinky And I'll just text back, are you serious? She's had some good time off, but it's time for Rowan to get back to work. Let's see where her career is about to go. You receive two emails in succession, one right after the other. One is from an airline from Sacramento to IAD, which is Washington Dulles Airport, tomorrow. It's currently early May, so it's been some time. You've got your new computer set up. You've talked to your family. Jonathan's gotten you some food. He makes sure that you are eating well. Apparently, he has orders from your family as well to make sure that you carb up. So you you are getting all of the breads and all of the baked goods. And I'm starting to run again. Not as fast as I had been, but I'm starting to build up my endurance and stamina again. So the flight is for tomorrow. And then you receive an email from... Alphonse. You will not be meeting me, but you will be meeting Charlie at Grace Street Coffee in Georgetown. Tomorrow, 6.15 sharp. I look at the time of the ticket again. Arriving into DC at 4.30. I will email back. Understood. Will I be getting information from Charlie? And is this someone that you trust? Affirmative and wholeheartedly is the response back. All right. Then I let out a quiet little sigh, nod, and go to pack a backpack, because I don't want to take much with me. 
The flight to DC is uneventful. It's quick, there's no delays, and you land on the East Coast. It's early May, and the cherry blossoms are very pretty this time of year. You find your way through rideshare, Uber, or Lyft to Georgetown, to Grace Street Coffee. It's a modern type place, and it's a little independent location. There is some seating outside as well as some seating inside. And it looks like there's a lot of Washington policy and politic wonks here. All right. I will take a second to survey the area and the coffee shop itself. I've picked up too many paranoias from being around Rooster lately and with all of my personal experiences. It's not a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination. It's just unusual for me. So I take a moment to evaluate the coffee shop and then step inside and glance around casually, like not making it look like I'm looking for anyone, but just, you know, taking the people in before going to the counter and ordering my usual. The barista gets you coffee and you're waiting a few moments. What name do you give? I give the name Rowan. When the barista calls out Rowan and you head up, you see a tall, attractive woman waiting for her coffee. She looks at you and smiles. Rowan's a very pretty name. Thank you. Terribly fond of it. She looks you up and down, and you get a little bit of, you've just been checked out. Give her a once up and down, too, and give her a smile. And what's your name? Sheila. Sheila, pleasure to meet you. She puts her hand out and uh, for you to shake. And I accept. Shake it. She turns and looks at one of her friends and looks at you. I haven't seen you around here. Yeah, I'm in visiting from out of town. Oh, are you going to be in town long? Was there a return date on the ticket? No. Well, you know, official stuff. I guess I'll be going back when, uh, when the job's done. I say, eyes flickering over her once again. What kind of job? What, what are you into? Uh, I'm with the FBI. Oh. Woman in uniform with a badge. Quite. Although it's more of a suit most days. Hmm. I could see you in a suit. She nods. Mm-hmm. I could definitely see you in a suit. And Rowan is just biting her lip to, to be like, oh, do I make the awful joke? Yeah, so let's kind of chuckle and say, well, you know, they fit quite nicely, but, you know, more comfortable without them. She takes the coffee cup down from her lips as she was about to take a drink and raises one eyebrow. Raise the eyebrow right back and because this is this is a game. Well... If you're going to be in town for a bit, I can maybe show you some of the sites. Have you been here often? A few times, but I usually kick around the West Coast more than anything else. I'd love to go out to the West Coast. I know a couple places out in the Sonoma Valley that have some excellent vineyards. Mmm, yes. Growing up near wine country was certainly an experience. She makes flirty small talk with you for the next 10 or 15 minutes, and... You hear the, the bell that's on the door ring as a older man with rugged looks and a scar across his face with a bushy white beard and a hairstyle that's slicked back. He looks a bit out of place here. He's dressed in work boots and carpenter jeans and is wearing a flannel. Actually, you know what? No, he doesn't look like he's he's out of place. He's a man dressed like a lesbian with a hipster beard. Um, His beard is white, but the hair on his head is silvering. Um, He's not a bad looking fella. He just looks rugged. Sure. I don't think that Sheila and I have sat down anywhere. We're still like near the, the pickup area chatting, flirting. And I will glance at him and make an educated guess. He places an order and they ask for a name and he's like, you can put down Charlie. And I will nod a little bit and turn to Sheila, pulling out the little notebook that I always keep in my pocket and scrawl down my phone number and pass it to her. I'm in town for a little while, if you want to give me a call. But my appointment just arrived, so I need to go chat with him. She looks him up and down. Hipster Santa. Okay. Eh, it takes all types, and I'll offer her my hand. She picks it up. She takes in a deep breath. Hmm, you smell nice. And she gives you a wink, and then she kind of walks off. And I will take a moment to... Because Samantha came into full four in the front there. (laughs) Just... Oh, it's like being in university again. 
and just like take a second, recenter myself, and then be like, okay, back to work. And I will, I'll wait for Charlie to get his drink before coming up alongside where he would be standing to go and like get a stirrer or something and then put my cup down so that he can see Rowan written on the side of the front. He looks at your cup. He's not making eye contact with you. Those are pretty fantastic glasses, aren't they? Yes, useful for seeing with. Yeah, I've got a pair for shooting. Oh, do you favor the rose-tinted lenses as well? I favor them for shooting. I've got a pair of uh, amber-tinted as well. Cuts out a lot of the more interesting wavelengths of light. Very true. So, Rowan, I want to chat with you about something. Should we go out to the uh, patio? Sure. And I'll pick up my, my cup and head out toward the patio, holding the door open for him. Oh, thank you. Hmm. You, uh, you don't have to do that, but I appreciate it. Eh. I walk a little bit faster than most people that I know, so I usually get to doors first. I'm in the habit of opening them for other people. T sniffs the air outside and goes, how about that, that corner area? Is that all right? I take a second to evaluate that corner, evaluate how many people are nearby, if it's close to any major walkways, if it's as alone as we can be in a, in a public area. Pretty much. Now, you also take stock of this guy, and he is 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, about 300 pounds. He is a big dude. What sort of a sense as a person do I get off of him? Is he someone who comes off intimidated, and is he someone who deliberately like softens his presence, knowing that he is a larger man in a world that isn't... Yes, he is aware of his size. He does not hide his stature, so he doesn't physically shrink, but yet he also doesn't stand over people. At least, not yet. But there's definitely a sense of he could if he needed to. Yes, you can see him turning on a mode that Rooster would have turned on before. That's actually, I find, fairly comforting because I trust Rooster with my life and sanity, so... Having someone else like that is curiously reassuring. So I'll go over to the table that he indicated and sit down with my mostly full cup in front of me because I did not have much of a chance to sip while I was flirting. So I'm told that you've got a lot of questions. I might have answers for you, but I do have a question for you. Go ahead. What are your thoughts on the Marine Sniper? Rooster? No, no, no. The actual Marine Sniper. Rooster, yes. I know, I know enough about him. What about the Marine Sniper? The Marine Sniper as a general, like, archetype of person? Are you talking about the yes. specific person? Yes, from the people that you've interacted, because you've talked to quite a few. Ugh, shocking number for someone in the FBI, actually. Right? Uh, I have a generally good impression of them. They're Marines, so they're some of the best of the best. And then there's snipers, who are some of the best of that. There's a quietness that, that comes into play when it's necessary, and a great deal of brashness to cover it when it's not. Why? Because it's not common, unless you're meeting somebody that's actually in the core that you encounter four or five of them in your life, let alone within, you know, a couple months, because there's another one that's right in front of you. Ah, that's why your presence feels familiar. Thank you. So, what type of questions do you have? What can I do for you? Do you know about an organization known as the Chroniclers? A little bit. I would very much like to know what you know. I suspect I don't actually know what you know about what happened to me and where I've been for the last four months. I've been filled in on quite a bit, but you can certainly fill in blanks if you like. I'd like to know what you know about the Chroniclers first. All right. About the Chroniclers, they've got a few names, and we are learning more about them. It seems as though they... they as soon as he's about to say that, it seems to know your cell phone goes off. It vibrates. It's from Rooster. Hold on one second. I'll pull it out and look. Box is compromised. Bring a U-Haul. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch, indeed. Let's go see what made Rooster send that particular text. It's a beautiful morning in May, and... Your cell phone gives you an alert that someone has accessed the storage unit. It thanks you for entering the premises. Hmm. 
Have the alarms I set up personally gone off? Yes. Just now. Okay. I don't like this. Someone logged in with your credentials. That's upsetting, especially since the only other person with credentials is Rowan, and she has a different set. You're not that far away from the green box. Yeah, what am I in the middle of right now, and who am I going to have to piss off to leave? Elena is currently yelling at the television about something. You're not entirely sure what. Hey, uh, Lena? Remember that extra storage facility I mentioned? Yeah. Yeah, I gotta go there, like, right now. Sorry, it's one of those things. Okay, that's alright. Bring back donuts. Don't drop your fucking guard! Keep your hands up! What the hell?! It's- That's what you get! Okay, can we focus for a second? I- I know that WWE Finals are on, but... Cream-filled or jelly? She looks at you. You know I like cream-filled. She smiles and she goes, It's UFC, not WWF. Go. Go. I said WE, but fine, I'm leaving. Whatever. Not that fake shit. As I close and lock the door to the apartment, God damn, I love this chick. From behind the closed door, you heard, Ooh. Apparently somebody got knocked out. Woman after my own heart. So, you arrive at the storage unit. The gate is closed, you have to enter in the number. You drive back to where the storage unit is. It's actually through another locked door. That's the locked door that you have to enter your credentials into. Because it's an indoor type of unit. It's weather controlled. And you see that there is a black Suburban parked out front near the door. Hmm. Are there government plates or anything special about this that I can... Temporary California tags. Temporary. I'm going to go ahead and make sure my sidearm is easy to grab in my concealable holster and go ahead and move to the unit itself. You enter in the key code and it allows you into the building. You move around stealthily, quietly, and you see a few things that are in the hallway from the green box. You see that like, they've rolled out some ammo cans and a few other items, and you hear movement inside. I'm going to get right next to the door, take out my pistol, but keep it low, kind of behind my leg, and go, Whoever you are, this is not your storage unit. You hear the sound of a couple items hitting the floor. Who's there? That's what comes out of the room. I'm armed. Don't come any closer. Rooster, you're standing at the door, and you're hearing this inside. I, the one outside, go, I don't know what you are, whether you're a clone, a shapeshifter, or a really good fucking imitator, but get down on the ground, hands behind your head, or I will shoot as I come around this corner. This is your one and only warning. I will put two bullets into you faster than you blink, bucko. You hear the sound of, of a gun slide, as though a round has been chambered. The thing is, I've never used the word bucko in my life unless it was to mock someone. So I know this Are isn't... you feeling mocked? I'm feeling pissed right now, honestly. I was barely dressed. Elena was less. Watching whatever violent sport it is that she gets off on, which usually turns into a good thing for me. And now I'm here. I'm going to loudly chamber my own round. The person calls out to you. Drop it before I make this hallway a mess. Okay, I don't care what you are. Stop using my voice. This is getting fucking stupid, okay? Can we talk now? No, you stop using my voice. You're using my voice because I've never said bucko, okay? So you're obviously the one imitating me. I use bucko when it makes fun of somebody else, okay, fucker? Alright, let's solve this. Why'd you have detention in 12th grade in Mr. C's class? 
I put a pencil in the ceiling and it fell in on top of someone's head and stuck there. Why'd you get suspended? I beat up Cody Pacheco. Why'd I do that? He was gonna roofie. Okay, fuck. You're me, aren't you? With that, you see him step into eyesight of you. It's you. Or it's not you. And he has a pistol at his side. Wow. I look good. Fuck off, fish fucker. Die! And with that, he lifts the gun and goes to pull the trigger. I never put mine away. As soon as he goes to lift, I put three rounds in him. Go ahead and roll your your firearms. 73. 91. Are you using my stats? Yes. Does he have a laser on his? No. Then he failed, and I didn't. And I actually got exactly my score without the laser, if that matters. Go ahead and roll for damage. Five. Five, double it, ten. He drops. I'm immediately over. Kick the gun away. As you kick the gun away, his hand sloughs away as though it was Play-Doh. <sighs> okay. We got clones. And then it just all melts to the floor, covering your boots. It's sticky. It's almost like tree sap. Remember those sanity that you got earlier tonight? Shooting yourself and then seeing yourself turn into goo. Give me a sanity roll. I did see Rowan turn into goo on my shoulder, though. Can I, can I get advantage on this? No, you're not going to get advantage, but it is going to be a lower uh, lower possible sanity loss, depending on if you make it or fail. Fuck me. 99? 100? 88? Double lots? 99. Wow. Cool. Roll 2d4 for me. Why did I have to have two sets of dice ready to go tonight? <laughs> Fuck, one of them's the upside down one. I read it wrong. Four. A total of four? Yeah. Okay. So you only lose four points. What hits home the most is the only thing that's left is the purple heart that was seemingly tied to his in his shirt. And it's visible for you now in the goo. And it's just sticking there and bothering and then as well as a challenge coin that's identical to the one that you carry I'm going to pick both of those up and I want to look at the back of the purple heart metal does it have a music note scratched in there it does In front of you, you see that there is a box of donuts sitting on one of the small makeshift tables that you created and a book on top. They better be jelly-filled. What kind of donuts and what's the book? The book is on Asproklin Colton, which is a book that was in the green box, meaning nameless cults. Forgive my horrible German. And they are cream-filled. I pull out my phone and text Lena. Just a few words and it says, Weird shit. Get the bag. ETA 10. A moment later, rendezvous A, B, or C? Type back C. She replies back, C. I send another text to glasses. Box is compromised. Bring a U-Haul. There's another person Rowan wants to see while she's in D.C. Let's see how things go with her and Lena, formerly known as Quinn. It's still early May, Rowan, and you are in the D.C. area. Your curiosity has struck you that maybe it'd be a good idea to reach out to uh, Agent Quinn. You still have her business card with the location of her practice. Wasn't that hard to find. It's a nice little uh, stone building within a small park of medical offices and uh, psychiatrist offices and psychologist offices as well. A yeah, single story with nice trees. The wind is, is whipping today, but it's still a beautiful day in downtown Washington, D.C. 
I walk into the building, is it fairly easy to find her office within the building? Yes, it's well appointed with signs. You see Dr. Razavong for the sign with counseling and family counseling on the wall there. As you open up the door, a little bell goes off and you see a secretary or assistant behind a partitioned window. Hi, good morning. Hello. I don't have an appointment, but I wondered if uh, Dr. Razavong was available just for a quick conversation. So, we don't really have walk-ins. Could you just ping her and uh, tell her that Rowan's here? That Rowan is here? Yes, please. All right. Is she expecting you? No, but she'd probably want to see me. Okay. She grabs the phone and makes a quick phone call. She puts down the phone. Um, If you can please have a seat, Dr. Rezavong will be out shortly. Sure thing. And I will sit down in one of the chairs, pull out my phone, and start flipping through various things. I'm still going through all of my onboarding material. A few moments later, a solid wooden door opens, and you see Dr. Razavong, Lena, formerly known as Quinn. Lena, you see Rowan sitting there. It's the first time in almost a year that you've seen her. She looks a bit thinner than she was before. Her cheeks are sunken in. She does have a bit of a a sparkle in her eye. She's uh, currently flipping through her phone with her uh, trademark red-pink glasses. Yeah, and when she had gotten the call from the secretary, she took a few moments to decide what to do. She honestly didn't necessarily expect to run into the RSL again. She had almost forgotten that she'd given the business card, so didn't even anticipate anyone definitely coming to her private practice. But she is happy to see Rowan, though perhaps a little concerned at her appearance. And so kind of taking just a little bit longer (laughs) to just take in the sight of her, she'll say, why don't you come into my office? And I'll look up from my phone and smile at seeing her. Hello, doctor. And I'll get up, stick my phone in my pocket, brush down the... I haven't gone and bought a whole lot of new clothes, so everything hangs a little bit loose. And follow her into the back. She'll shut the door, kind of look at Rowan and do the awkward, like, oh, do do we hug? I mean, this is not exactly a, a client. <laughs> <laughs> um... And Rowan will actually laugh outright at that and be like, we went through a life and death situation together. I'm a hugger in those circumstances. <laughs> I suppose that's true. Understandably, um, usually in this office, it's patience and hugs are usually frowned upon. Mm, I, I can understand that. You want to have a little bit of that distance. Sorry, this was sort of a, uh, a spur of the moment thing, but I'm in the D.C. area for work stuff and thought I'd stop in and say hi. And at the mention of work stuff, just for a split second, her her face kind of falls in, into worry, and then she tries to recover and look more casual. And she says, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll sit. I mean, I have the couch, or you could just take this chair if you'd like. And Ron will take a second to just, like, tilt her head a little bit and evaluate Quinn. Is everything all right? And pull the chair over and sit down close enough so that we don't have to talk very loud. Uh... I was actually going to ask you the same thing. I I don't mean to pry, but I, I notice your clothes hanging a little looser these days. And after, well, the work that you and I did, I can only imagine what uh, your next assignment or your latest are. It's been a year. I don't even know what you've been up to. Well, um, the short version is that we had uh, another assignment after Yuma, and then uh, I got kidnapped. And Quinn's eyes just get big at that. And then she kind of just like shakes her head. You know, for the past year, she's been with the program and really noticed a difference between kind of how buttoned up, maybe a little more boring, but definitely buttoned up the program is compared to what she learned as, you know, the cowboys, the outlaws. And, you know, I I think after a year, she has drank the Kool-Aid a little bit and and seen how maybe reckless her assignment was in Arizona. So hearing that that continues and it seems to be even worse, she can't help but just kind of shake her head in judgment. But again, she tries to keep it to herself, but, you know, the emotion is just there. Well, and Rowan is very good at reading people. She's sort of like, I mean, I didn't exactly mean to get kidnapped. It wasn't... Yeah, it had to do with the other work, but 
kind of not really. It's it's a long story, and I'm still doing a lot of digging trying to figure it out. Listen, I mean, you came to say hi. I don't want to have to make you talk about work the entire time. And truly, Lena is a little bit worried because the more Rowan does reveal, the more she might have to potentially report back. And so she is she can't really decide if she wants to hear about what's been happening or if she would rather remain blissfully ignorant. How have you been otherwise? Otherwise, fine. Moving departments within the FBI, the uh, the domestic terrorism, and I haven't been getting on all that well, so I've, I've been shifting departments. That's actually why I'm here in the D.C. area, is, uh, you know, going through all of the bureaucratic nightmare stuff, shaking hands, making nice with people, making settling into the new department. You know, it's a lot of high-up muckety-muck stuff. Lena slash Quinn kind of tilts her head. Oh, new department? I'm moving over to the Office of Congressional Affairs ah, as a FBI representative. And Lena just kind of takes that information in. She wasn't sure if by new department she was going to mean she got brought into the program. I mean, you know, Lena hadn't heard anything, but with the program, it doesn't mean they're necessarily going to keep her in the loop about that. But hearing this answer, she, she kind of comes to the conclusion that Rowan still doesn't know about the program. And Rowan is now just intently watching Quinn's face because she's like, I mean, I know it's been a year since the last time that I've seen her, but she's she's being squirrely and just sort of like tilt my head to the side a little bit and be like, so what's been going on? You're seeming a little, I mean, I know you don't tell me everything and it's your job, you don't, but you're seeming a little evasive at the moment. <laughs> I mean, it, it has been a year. A lot's changed. Uh... I never knew exactly with this how much we should talk to others about what we do and what we don't. Who else is going to understand? So, and Lena just kind of leans back. Could you use a drink? (laughs) You know what? I really could. And I think I promised to buy you a drink after everything in Mustang, so I think I owe you one. Yeah. Um... And she kind of uses that. Uh, She'll suggest there's a good wine bar that actually has outdoor seating that's a little spaced out. So we could still have like a pretty private conversation. You know, people would have to be trying to actively eavesdrop. (laughs) And uh, Quinn is going to kind of welcome just a bit more time to get her thoughts together. Sure. So we'll agree to meet at like four o'clock, five o'clock, something like that. Yeah. And Roan will give her a little bit of a strange smile and be like, trade you a secret for a secret. Yeah, let's, um, let's save that for wine. Sounds good. In vino veritas, after all. <laughs> all right, I'll see you tonight then. And as soon as Rowan walks out the door, Quinn is going to look at her phone, look at the number that she has for the program, and consider if she should be calling this in right away or not. And then ultimately decide to hold off. She kind of messages her secretary and asks if she can see about rescheduling the rest of her appointments for the day. She, her mind is just not there. And so she tries to clear her schedule for the day. Your secretary is able to reschedule all of your appointments. She seems a little peeved that, that you're doing that because she's got quite a bit of work ahead of her to do that day, but she goes ahead and gets you square. Lena, Quinn will uh, go home for a bit, kind of get into something a little bit more comfortable, and just collect her thoughts. And yeah, when the time, she'll get to the the wine bar a little early to make sure she can grab a, a good table that is far enough away that if the conversation does get a little confidential, they'll both feel comfortable about that. Is this a wine bar that you go to often? It's one of her regulars, yep. It's one that's kind of connected to the park area, so there's like a lot of outdoor space. There's a little bit of a crowd, a normal crowd at the wine bar, and it's the usual political wonk, Washington, D.C. type of clientele. Around five o'clock rolls around, and Rowan walks into the bar, and you see her kind of look around and take stock of where everyone is at. Your trained eye, Lena, notices that she is nearly hyper vigilant she's trying to play it off but she is checking her corner she's checking the room she's reading the room hard she finally 
sees where you're at and uh, makes a move toward where you're at in the patio seating. Yeah, I will see her and my shoulders relax a little bit when I do see her and smile, nod, and walk over toward where she's sitting and sit down across from her. Yeah, and uh, Lena will give kind of a half chuckle and look around at the crowd and say, it is happy hour, I suppose. So it seems. Uh, A little bit busier than I was expecting. Yeah. Nice place, though. One of my regular haunts. Quinn has a glass of wine already, um, and she says, I I took the liberty of ordering us some food, but I realize I I know how you take your coffee, but not your wine, so I... (laughs) But here, I can I can give you a few recommendations, depending on what you like. Well, it looks like we have similar tastes. I prefer whites myself, so what do you recommend here? Why don't you have the same glasses what I'm having? And she'll, again, she's a regular, so she'll just need to do a little hand signal to a passing waitstaff and kind of point at her glass and give the, give the hand signal that we want another glass of the same. The waiter comes by a few moments later with a glass and then pours at the table. He smiles. Is there anything else I can get you? Not at the moment, thanks. All right, have a good day. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Lean back in in my chair after taking a sip. Hmm, excellent. Refreshing on a, well, seems our summers get earlier and earlier these days. Uh, thanks, global warming. (laughs) Yeah. So how long are you in town? Honestly, I have no idea. Uh, When I flew out. I didn't have a return date. I guess it depends on how long all the onboarding stuff is going to take. So who knows, but I'm trying to make the best of it, dealing with all of the, not like nod toward the general populace. All the political wonks, I try not to play politics, but I guess moving into a congressional affairs department means I have to deal with it more. Yeah, you'll get used to it eventually. (laughs) Yeah. I can play politics. I just don't like to. Mm, I understand. Well, um, I can definitely give you some of my favorite running routes. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it's been... Well, I'm getting back into running. It's taking me a little bit longer than I wanted, but the doc is uh, optimistic. And Lena just feels like she's put her foot in her mouth, like, of course something happened. She might not be up to it. Why did she even mention running? And <laughs> that's all kind of going on in her face. No, no, it's it's fine. It's good. I'm, I am getting back into it. And it's something that, you know, it's it's the, the steps that I need for healing. Honestly, physically, almost nothing happened except malnutrition. It was just... Yeah, and hearing more about, like, what happened, and again, that anger rising, you know, Quinn will just say, Rowan, I guess we're not supposed to do this, but do you ever question who's giving you these assignments? I mean, not really. They're things that need to be done, and we're the people who are best equipped to handle them. In Arizona, we all almost died, and a whole town did die. What, what did we do? We kept it from spreading. We kept it from getting worse. We weren't able to help Mustang and that that haunts me every day, but we were able to keep it from getting worse. And sometimes that's the only victory that we can get with uh, the organization. And yet this next assignment you were on, you get kidnapped, I mean. I wasn't kidnapped on the assignment, it was afterwards and as far as I can tell, it was only kind of tangentially connected to the organization itself. But I'm sorry, I interrupted you. I just wonder, I, I question the methods sometimes. Well, I mean, when you're a little outside of things, I guess more questionable methods are necessary. Hmm. And Quinn will just look down at her glass and kind of take another sip, sip and kind of swirl it while she ponders over that. So, we got very fortunate, I think, with our first real assignment. Second assignment as a team, but the first one was cleanup duty. Uh, We met someone who was an old-school agent of the organization who mentioned that what we do isn't exactly above board, but I get the impression that you might not have known that. I mean, I knew this was outside of what was documented, but... 
I think became clear was a little less official than even I thought. Really? Who did you talk to? <laughs> you know, men in suits, women in suits. More official people. I guess it's hard to tell who really is official, who isn't. Rowan has her hand uh, lightly wrapped around the stem of her glass, doesn't want to warm up the white wine too much, but she's intently watching Quinn. Sacred for a secret? Or are you too wrapped up to talk about things? I just don't know if there's anything to talk about. I think maybe it's become clear that, (laughs) and I probably don't need to say it, we're perhaps working for different people now. When did that happen? After Arizona. Hmm. Okay. I just want to make sure you're careful. I've seen a lot of the same things that we saw in Arizona, but never felt like my life was threatened. And I kind of like it that way. Well, I am trying to be careful. I'm not terribly fond of constant life and death situations, but what we do what I guess you used to do, but what I and the rest of ourselves still do, we're, we're on the edges. We don't get to hide behind desks and layers of bureaucracy. We're out there getting into the middle of things and doing our best to keep people from dying. The most recent assignment that we had before, and Rowan just kind of gestures vaguely at herself, we were able to save a town, or at least most of it. There were a couple of casualties that didn't necessarily need to happen, but there were a hell of a lot of other people who would have died without what we did. So, I mean, do I like being out in the middle of it all? No, but someone has to be. And Quinn just slowly nods, you know, realizing she's not necessarily one to judge, and she's always questioning. I guess a psychologist is always questioning. I think secrets are better, best kept secrets. She just kind of gives Rowan a a knowing look, trying to communicate it's maybe better for her not to know secrets. Maybe so. But I will say this. One thing that I learned in four months of being a captive is that secrets can kill. And sometimes what you don't know is what is waiting for you behind a mirror waiting to eat you. And I mean that sometimes very literally. So, if you feel that these are secrets that need to be kept, I defer to your judgment on that. I wouldn't put you out in the field ever again, but I did come to respect you for what you do and what you know while we were in Arizona. So, I respect your judgment on that. But if there is something that will get me or my team killed because we don't know about it, I'm going to be very upset. All I say is question who you work for. I do every day. Don't take orders blindly. And she'll kind of just slouch back in her chair and and swirl the wine some more. And Rowan will just let that silence sit for a while as she's sipping her wine. The orders are the important part. The people sending them aren't necessarily. But maybe we're a bit different in that respect. And she'll just give a nod. Lena, over your shoulder, you hear familiar voices as you see some of your usual friends or circle of friends that you've had. They're not really your friends. I mean, they are your friends, but they were always more Sheila's friends. As uh, you hear some of their laughter coming from within as they've entered in the bar. She will instinctively slouch in her chair and just mumble, oh, good God. I'll look at her, then follow her look over. There's a, a group of women at the bar making a bit of a, not a ruckus, but people are, are kind of turning and looking. They're not obnoxious per se, but they're certainly loud. <laughs> hmm. Do I see any familiar faces in there? No, not at the moment. But on the edge of the patio, leaning over the table, as you were looking the other way, you see a woman put her head over. So, Lena, you know Rowan, huh? as Sheila has walked up from the sidewalk and is now leaning and looking at the both of you. Oh, hi, Sheila. Hi. Fancy meeting you here. Wait. I'm glad you got home the other night, the other morning. Well, okay. Uh, oh, hells. You two know each other? Yeah, we met at a coffee shop about a week or so ago. How do you guys know each other? This is so neat. It's a small world. 
And Rowan is very quickly putting some pieces together. As and just, is oh, Quinn. No. <laughs> ah. Rowan is blushing a little bit. There's more color, almost matching the tint of her glasses. And Sheila runs off, runs to the door so she can get in properly, leaving you two alone just for a few moments because you know she's going to come and sit down. Oh, gosh, why did I have to order that food? I could have made a quick escape. Well, you're a regular here. I, I, I would bet that they'd forgive you. No, no. It's better to get it over with. Sheila would never let me live that down if I ditched her. So you and her... Ex-wife. Oh, hell. Mm-hmm. Fuck, I'm sorry, I didn't know. <laughs> You couldn't have. Um, and Rowan, for like maybe the first time ever, as far as Quinn has known her, is completely at a loss for words. You both spy the gate that lets you exit the patio is right behind Rowan. And it looks like Sheila and crew are gathering up drinks and whatnot. There is a quick escape. Like, lean over to... Lena will give <laughs> Ronan look and say, as she pulls up just a $100 bill, way over what the bill would be, and just slams on the table. How about a walk? A walk sounds like an excellent idea. Let's, uh... Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. So they'll make their, their escape. I'm Tiana Hansen, and I play Rowan. I'm Ben Sislowski, and I play Rooster. I'm Seth Jones, and I play River. I'm Joseph Newman, and I play Rory. I'm Laura Domingo, and I play Quinn. I'm Dan Voshkevich, the Handler. Our story is based upon the role-playing game Delta Green by Arc Dreams Publishing. Delta Green is created by Dennis Detweiler, Adam Scott Glancy, and John Scott Tynes. Season 3, Act 2 is an original scenario, Rescue, written by me, Dan Voshkevich, with help from the rest of the Redacted Reports cast. If you like our story, there are many ways you can support us. First, you can check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash theredactedreports. Patrons of our podcast will receive early access to episodes, Rowan's written reports for each story, as well as other goodies and opportunities exclusive to our patrons. We offer special thanks to our $20 and up patrons. Steven Schwartz, Director Arayo, Jonathan Powell, Skelly Lichboy, Tom Padula, M.S. Aznikar, Heather Ney, Jen Obertaz, Jake Blair, Bomb Clancy, Kit Thompson, Danny, Lady Bedivere, Sherrick Manning, and the entity some have called George. If you can't support us directly, that's okay. Please support us by telling people about us. Leave a review wherever you get your podcast and follow us on all the usual social media sites. The Redacted Reports is edited and produced by Tiana Hansen and is distributed by Quest and Chaos. If you like what you hear, give Quest and Chaos YouTube and Twitch channels a visit. They play Dungeons and Dragons and Call of Cthulhu on a weekly basis. Join us next week, because outside the bounds of reality lurk entities with names unpronounceable by the human tongue, creatures of hunger and rage that would like nothing more than to devour our insignificant universe.